This is the Non-Typical Nation podcast with your hosts, Brody Teal and Eric Liberty. Let's talk hunting and absolutely everything else that goes with it. It's go time, guys. We're getting geared up for another podcast, and I am sipping some sipping whiskey from our friends at Old Smokes Coffee. Sipping whiskey is a coffee roasted over whiskey oak. It's slow roasted, so it's smooth. It is not bitter. You don't need cream. You don't need sugar, and it is to die for. So go to oldsmokescoffee.com, use promo code NONTYPICAL, and get your smoked coffee today. But we are back with another podcast, guys. Uh, Today, we are sort of putting the bear hunting behind us, closing that chapter for this year. And, uh, you know, it's time to start thinking about deer hunting, start thinking about elk hunting, moose hunting, sheep hunting, and... Uh, and bear hunting. And bear hunting. I still got a tag in my back pocket. I promise we're not done talking about bear hunting. No, we love it too much, man. Yeah, but we are. We're, we will try and stay away from it uh, for this podcast, maybe. Well, yeah, let me just, do you just one one quick thing. Have you ever baited bears in the fall? Nope, never. Never. No, either have I. Um, But from what I sort of understand and what I've been told, to really keep a bear around, what you want to do is you want to bait that bear in the spring, bait that bear in the fall. So when he goes into the den um, or when he comes out of the den, he goes right back to where he left that fall. Yeah, you want to keep that bait site fresh in his mind. Keep that bear in the area. Yeah. So I've never done that. I've always sort of had intentions to do it, but the fall hunting season is just super busy. There's yeah, a we're lot just, going on. We just got way too much going on. We're chasing way too many other critters. Yeah. And it's, you know, we're always going to wait. Uh, like different directions all the time, right? Yeah. So where it's just too busy. And and bears become in the fall, at least for me, bears really become more of an opportune animal. Yes. Rather than an animal I'm actually actively hunting. Like, yeah, the tag's in my pocket, but I'm not like going out for a bear today. You know, and that's one of the super cool things about hunting in Alberta is if you're hunting early season, you're going to have an elk tag. You're going to have a moose tag more than likely around if you're, here. If you're an archer. Yeah, yeah, if you're an archer, you're going to have an elk tag. You're going to have a moose tag. You're going to have a bear tag. You're going to have a whitetail tag. So around here and north of here and even south of here, west, east, you're going to have a tag for almost every single critter you're going to encounter unless... Even mule deer. A lot of say, zones even, even, even have a general archery mule deer tag, right? So, um, you know, Alberta, we are super fortunate here because uh, there are a ton of over-the-counter tags. And uh, you're a lot of those animals that you're going to kill are, are going to be an opportunistic uh, harvest, right? And uh, that was my moose last year. I was sitting in the stand waiting for a velvet whitetail. A moose came down the trail. I had that tag. And uh, I got that bull, right? So um, that's sort of how the the supplemental bear tag is for myself. Um, I like to hold on to that one for the fall season. Because the last time I killed two bears before my fall hunting season, I ran into just a beautiful color phase bear while I was elk hunting. And I didn't have a tag. I was screwed, right? Um, so since then... Uh, last year I kept that supplemental tag just in case I seen something nice this year. Uh, I'm doing the same and, um, and you never know, right? So if the, if the time comes and you have a gorgeous bear in front of you, a big one, a color phase, whatever, well, at least you have that tag. Yep. Yeah. So. And I've, I've taken, you know, I take, I've taken one of my bears in the fall and it was just cause it was an opportunity. There's actually a bear that was coming into moose camp and okay, a really nice bear. And I got to take it. I think it was like the f- 
first or second of november back oh when, yes back when the season was still open in november yeah yeah that was uh that was something else yeah a ton of snow on the ground yeah, and in a snowstorm yeah. yeah yeah unreal that doesn't happen too often no but you know i had that tag in my pocket and you know just no intention of of shooting a bear right just always having that second tag in your pocket because yeah. i i had gotten a bear the spring that spring of that year so mm-hmm. and we do see a ton of bears in the fall though Oh, a ton of them, yeah. A ton. Like, um, I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it before. There are days in September um, where we'll see 10 bears. Like, I, I, we see more bears, I find, in the fall than I do in the spring a lot of times. Or are you out more in the fall? Maybe out more in the fall. That could be it. Yeah. Um, but what I've... Yeah, maybe out more in the fall. That could be it. But um, at least in the spring... Like north of here, where you're allowed to bait, those bears all spring. They're they're at bait. Yeah, you don't see them on the roads. You don't see them on often, the roads. No. Yeah, where in the fall, guys aren't baiting, so then they're venturing into those clearings. They're finding those berries, yeah. and uh, then you'll see them. My chair is really squeaking here. Yeah, it does eh? seem extra squeaky. <laughs> I know. And the rain, man, it's just pouring out there. It yeah. hasn't quit. No. Oh, well, what can you do? Yeah. How are your horses doing in the rain? You got two new horses bad. at the house. Yeah, we got uh, two new ones there. They're, you know, it's a little mucky right now, but yeah. it's not too bad. The water table is really high this year, so if this is as bad as it gets, then, you know, we can deal with it. What's the forecast look like for the next little while? Have you checked? Um, no, I, I just looked actually five minutes ago, but everybody was telling me, you know, this week is supposed to be really ugly, lots of rain. And yeah. Five minutes ago, it said, you know, 40% chance the next couple of days. So really not that bad, but... It changes every fucking hour. It changes every five minutes. (laughs) That's why I don't look anymore. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Get up, go outside and see. Yeah, no doubt. So yeah, and we were just, like you were just saying, how we're, you know, in the fall, we're we're strapped for time. You can only hunt so many different animals at once. Um, But even right now, it's just been such a busy year with everything that's gone on. Um, You know, bear season was just super busy. And now I don't know what's what's happening now, but I just I can't find time to get out and uh, you know get cameras out or minerals or anything like that. Um, I'm behind the ball this summer. Yeah, we both are. Like I said I, before the podcast here, we we're talking. I haven't even put a, a pack on yet to start training for the mountains or anything. Yeah. And usually I'm on the ball like as soon as the snow's off the ground. Yeah. Um, you know, in the fall I did lots of walking this year, and so that was sort of my. Um, my start but then I, I just since since the the bear hunting's quit i haven't really done much except yeah. for uh you know yard work around the house and all that kind of stuff been yeah. so busy well that's just it right you just moved into a place you got a lot going on um you know we try and do this podcast and uh and everybody's just going crazy now that uh society's back up and running yeah it's kind of like catch up get everybody needs to catch up right for sure yeah, for sure. I'm I'm gonna try and sneak out here in the next next week or ten days. Um, so what I like to do, you know, providing a, a mineral or a supplement for ungulates is extremely beneficial from basically the time the rut is over until they are uh, finished growing their antlers, or until you know, usually August is when they put on the last few inches. Um, so you want to provide phosphorus and calcium to uh, improve antler growth and uh, improve the nutrients those uh, fawns and calves get. Um, so ideally, what you want to do is you want to get those those mineral sites and those supplements out, you know, in late December, January. And the best situation is put, a, a you know, five pounds of minerals out, 
every four to six weeks from January till August, and you'll be able to pattern those wildlife just perfectly. And then come hunting season, you're one step ahead, and you know what's in the area, you've spent enough time out in the bush, um, you know what to expect, and you can catch them in their summer patterns till until they shed their velvet is what I've noticed. Um, and the big bucks, they'll shed early. And then it like, gets tricky. And then it gets tricky, right? Because then they're starting to get into the, the rut phase. Um, and, and I've had, like, I had a giant whitetail last year. He had shed his velvet on day three of the archery season. So that was August, like, 27th, is it? 26th, something. Um, so... He shed super early as velvet, and then I had spikers and like little three by threes and four by fours hold on to their velvet till middle of September. But all the mature bucks and big bucks, they had shed their velvet within that first week of our tree season. And so I've been trying for the past four years to get a mature velvet buck. And you got a small window. Like I usually always plan those first four days to sit in the stand. Um, but this year I want to try some new areas and unfortunately I just haven't got out to get any cameras out to, to you know, scout any areas. So I'm a little bit behind the eight ball right now. Um, so I might go back to my other spots. I, I always say at the end of the season, I'm never going back there. Take the camera down, take the stands down. Um, but you know, I, I got to get out there, get some cameras, see what's still around in the area, maybe try and find at least one or two new spots to hang stands and uh, get some minerals out on some trails so we can at least see what's in the area, see if there's any adequate bucks that we want to sit for, for day one, two, three, and four, and uh, go from there. So I'm hoping I can find some time in the next two weeks just to, you know, even spend two days. If I can get two days out in the bush, I can at least get you know, hit a few different spots, get some cameras out. Um, I don't think I'll put a stand out yet because I want to see what shows up on the cameras. But, um, you know, t after having those cameras out for two weeks, that'll give me a good enough, um, you know, sort of time frame to see what's actually around in the area. So, so you're running all cellular trail cameras? Uh, I'm going to try and run all cellular because I don't want to be coming in and out of there all the time. Uh, and I'm going to... I, I'm going to pick the spots I'm hunting basically based on whether I have cell phone service or not. Because if I can run cellular cameras, that means I only have to go into that uh, tree stand or that spot once when, when I decide to hunt it, right? Yeah. Um, and the last thing you want to do is go into that spot, you know, every two, three weeks to check your camera when the camera can just send you a photo. Um, so I'm, I'm going to try and get spots with cell phone service so um, I don't have to go in there and then uh, and then it'll just make life a lot easier and hopefully uh, we can stack the odds in my favor come uh, yeah, August 25th. I think that is, is that that's, what it is? Yeah, 25th? that's opening day, yeah. Yeah, so, and it always fucking just pours rain on me. Day two, it's day one and day two, every single, like the last three years, it's just poured. Oh, I love that. I, I hate sitting in a tree stand, but to sit in a tree stand and just like, like rain but no wind, that I could I could do that every day. Yeah, so as last, long as I got good rain gear, but yeah, but the filming is what's so tough, right? Oh, it's tough, it's tough, absolutely. But like, I the only time I really get a chance to, or the really the only time I have sat in a tree stand besides my early years of elk hunting, um, is in November, and that sucks. Oh man, November is the worst because shitty. there's no leaves on the trees. There's no 
squirrels running around and birds oh, yeah. chirping. It's silent. It's just dead silence and cold. Dead and silence. Wind and yeah. Where September September's actually late August, like that first week of archery season, is the best time to sit in the tree stand because you've got birds chirping, you've got squirrels running everywhere, you mosquitoes got, to swat. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's some bugs. It's not too bad though because it's still somewhat cool. Um, yeah, if it starts free, if it starts freezing at night, it's a perfect year. Yeah, because and then usually, the bugs are gone. Yeah, usually when you get out like early in the morning, get out there at like six thirty. There's frost already, and it's starting to cool down up here in northern Alberta, and um, and those critters are going to be moving. So yeah. I'm I'm pumped right up, um, but I got to got to got to get out there, um, at least get one bag of supplement out and get a camera and just see what is in these areas, because um, right now if you're putting supplement or mineral out at a new site. It's not going to change the pattern of those of the animals. Not there. this it's, time of it's year. Almost too late, yeah. right? Because they've, uh, you know, they've been out of the rut now for seven months, so they've already got their daily patterns. It's going to be very tough to change it now. But at least if you put some supplement out in front of a camera, um, it'll give you a very good inventory of what's in the area because they demand these in minerals, and nutrients, and they will stop there. And uh, if you put it out for two weeks, come back after two weeks. Um, most of the animals within that area of, you know, I don't know, 500 yards, a kilometer are going to be, um, cross paths with that sooner or later. Um, but again, you cannot hunt over it in Alberta. So, um, you got to make sure that you steer clear of that bait when it comes time to hunt and you're hanging your tree stand, you want to be aware of that. Um, but, uh, when it comes to scouting, man, it's, uh, it's crucial. It is absolutely crucial. So well, especially a, up here. Yeah. It's the best way to get pictures of, of your inventory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's important. So, so yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I can find a, a day or two to sneak out here in the next, uh, you know, ten days, week, and uh, and then we can update uh, everyone on on sort of how things are looking out there. So, what what do you look for when you're gonna go set a new spot? I know, like this time of year is not good, but what what would be the ideal time ideal? of year to go scout for new spots to put mineral? Man, the absolute best time to go is January. Okay, but then then you're, then you're dealing with three or four feet of snow. Great. Okay, so yeah. Because okay, then you so. know exactly where those animals are walking. Okay, fair enough. Because then you have beaten down trails, right? The problem with now is the vegetation now is has grown up for the past month, right? Yeah. Month and a half. So so everything is quite green now. It's thick. It's bushy. So it's hard to tell if a deer's taken that trail or if a deer or five deer have taken this path. Because it's not like snow where it's beaten down. So in a perfect world, um, you want to get out there in January and February because those animals are out of the rut. So they're they're be beginning the same patterns that they would be in in August. So, so, so hypothetically, let's say you moved yeah. and you're going to go find three or four new spots right to put now. minerals and cameras. No, no, no. In January. Okay. In yeah, ideal yeah. time. Yeah. What are you going to go look for? Well, what I'd, I first thing I would do is go on my computer, go on Google Maps. I'd go on Google Maps. I would find an area that is somewhat tucked away or, or cornering any roads or trails. Like I don't want a road or trail all the way around me. I don't want to be in the middle of a grid of roads, basically, right? I want to back on to endless bush up here. That's definitely possible. I want to at least... 15 kilometers of bush behind me 
And if there's a road in front of me, uh, 500 yards away or to the west of me, 500 yards, that's fine. But two, but behind me, I want to make sure I have just open country because those deer, they aren't going to want to cross that road all the time. They're going to come from the dense, dense bush behind you. That's where you want to pull them from. Um, and then I want something that's going to be accessible. I don't want to have to travel an hour on the quad or an hour hike at 6 a.m. I want to be able to get into that spot within a half hour from my house. That's sort of my, that's sort of my key. If I can get into that spot within 30 to 45 minutes from the time I leave home, that's perfect. Um, because I'm expecting to sit in this stand. I expect to sit in that stand for 20 days throughout the season, right? So, you know, waking up at at 5am and to travel two hours to a spot, just, I don't like it. So I try and find somewhere that's within 30 to 45 minutes of traveling, find it on the map, somewhere that backs on to endless bush, um, basically untouched property by, by quads and trucks and everything else. Um, you want a water source as well. If you're going to be hunting early season when they still have their velvet on, um, and if you're going to be putting minerals or supplement down, they're going to be eating those minerals and they're going to be going directly to a water source. So you want to make sure you are also have a water source or a stream or something nearby because they're going to be hitting that constantly come summertime. So that's primarily what I'm looking for. That's how I do my pre-scouting on so, Google Maps, basically. So then if you're going to put a, or create a mineral site, yeah, what are you going to look for, particularly in that like area? Okay, you got like a creek or a river, or you got like a little water source of some kind. Yeah. Where in that area are you going to put the minerals? Yeah, so what I'll do, once I come off my computer, um, find, you know, I'll, I'll write down like three... Uh, three three coordinates basically of an area and then i'll go into my geopack hunt app type in the coordinate on there it'll bring it up and i will basically figure out and plan and draw on that map where i plan on going drive to that spot bring up the map on my phone now because i have it on my phone from the geopack app and um and first thing I'm going to look for is a seismic trail, not necessarily a cut line, but there's a lot of seismic trails around here. Find those and um, get on that trail and you're going to find deer paths that cross that trail or stick on that trail. And um, you want a trail that someone can't go down on with a quad because if you can go down it with a quad, you're going to have guys coming and going constantly or you're going to have a guy who's already set up on that trail, basically. And it's going to happen. And it's going to happen, right? So like a few of the spots that I have, um, last year I was lazy. I didn't follow my normal rules. And sure enough, come November, I had guys on almost every camera. But my good spots that I've had for several years, um, they're basically seismic trails with fallen trees all over them. And you can't get a side-by-side or quad down there, but you can walk quite a ways in. So that's what I'll do. I'll find some sort of trail, whether it's a deer trail or um, or a seismic trail. And if you're going in February, you're going to see those tracks just perfectly. And you just want to find the tracks and you're going to want to go into the bush. I'm going to say at least 100 yards. You know, I, I don't like to be too, too close uh, to the tree line. I like to be at least 100 yards in. Because um, what I've noticed in my stands too is I'll sit in the stand and I'm 300 yards from uh, a road or road one way and then about 500 yards the other way. And I'm bow hunting and I'll see those deer and they'll stay in the bush. And then there's trucks constantly driving by, driving by, and they're waiting for something to cross. 
And uh, the deer just don't, man. They just know not to. And I've got deer that are eight years old, nine years old giants that I'll never kill because they're so smart. Um, and they're surviving in heavily hunted areas because they know not to go on the roads. They just know, right? So uh, you want to be at least 100 yards into that bush. Yeah. And, you know, biggest thing is make sure you're, I would say, at least within 500 yards of some sort of water water source, whether that's a, a little trail, a little uh, river or a slough or something. You just want to be somewhat between a water source and, um, and, and find their main traveling trails. And then when it comes to putting supplement or mineral down, it's very important to get rid of all the leaves on the ground, all the grass, everything. So at this point, you're in February, right? So it's just snow. So you don't know what you're pouring it on for the most part. You can dig down and it might be ice at the bottom. So you just want to pour it onto the snow. Um, but once that snow is melted, you want to make sure all the leaves and everything are gone because then it'll start absorbing into the ground. And uh, you don't want those minerals sitting on top of the leaves because they'll almost it'll almost go stagnant. Um, you want it absorbing into the ground. Because if you replenish that site, I usually say if you replenish that site four to six times every six weeks, you won't need to put any minerals down for four or five months. You could go four months without doing it and they'll just dig a hole right into that ground because there's enough nutrients in the ground. They'll keep coming back. Um, so this year, this year, I want to some want to find some new spots. It's late. Um, so basically what I'm going to do is go on Google Maps and then go on my Geopack Hunt app, find a few spots, get out there and... Uh, you know, I'll probably do some hiking and just try and find where the deer trails are, where they're moving from. And uh, I'll probably bring about six bags of minerals with me, put them on some major trails. If I can find some, set up my cameras and uh, hopefully I can I can get some cellular cameras there. And then I'll just get text, text message through the Geopack app on where exactly the deer showing up and what's in the area. And then hopefully, you know, by geez, we're already in July, man. Hopefully by August 1st, I can pinpoint a spot, but it's late. Like this is, uh, this is a hail Mary at this point. So do you usually just put one bag of mineral down? Uh, yeah. If you're, if, so if you have moose or elk in the area, um, they're going to go through it. So if that's what you're good. targeting, put more basically. Put more. Yeah. Put yeah. two bags. But if, if you got deer in the area and there aren't elk, um, one bag every four to six weeks is all you need. It's a five-pound bag, right? And, uh, yeah, that's really all you need. Now, if you're starting a brand-new site, um, putting two bags down is pretty beneficial because you don't really know what's in the area. You might have You might have eight deer there at a time every second day or even every day, right? So if you put two down, two bags down, um, that'll give your, your mineral site a really good boost, a good kickstart. Um, and then one bag every four to six weeks is just plenty. So, right on. So that's what I'll do. Um, I'll probably only bring one bag just because I'm going to try and get out, you know, quite a few cameras. I really just want to figure out where I'm going to hunt day one, day two, day three, and day four. And uh, if, if things just aren't looking promising, I'm probably just going to go back to the old spots that I uh, I haven't been to since November and uh, sit in one of those old faithful stands. So and that's the plan, eh? So, yeah, the plan, everything's up in the air right now, man. Oh, well. And, uh, yeah, that's Antler Obsession, guys. Yeah. If anybody, uh, you know, needs some yeah. some big game supplicant, supplement, it's available on non-typical 
Yeah, right. nontypical.org um, slash antler obsession or just go to the pro shop. We do have a promo code for this podcast. I think it's just podcast. Don't ask me. Podcast. <laughs> I should know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pro- the promo code for the discounted antler obsession is podcast. I think that'll give you 10 or 15% off. Um, but yeah, so we get asked a lot too. Uh, what's the difference between the supplement and the attractant? Now, I want to say both products are an attractant. Um, so all ungulates crave minerals. They have a demand for phosphorus, have a demand for calcium and vitamin D. So if you provide those nutrients, they will continually come back because their body demands it um, to grow antlers, to provide nutrients for the fawns and uh, just to stay healthy. So both products have are high in phosphorus, high in calcium, so they will attract the ungulates. The supplement has supplemental protein pellets. That's why it's called a supplement. Um, but again, don't get confused because it is still an attractant. Um, the supplement also has uh, molasses and sugar beet in it, so the elk and moose absolutely love it. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's what I'll be putting out as a supplement because uh, there are a lot of moose in these areas. So uh, I'm going to put that out and uh, who knows, I might get lucky again with uh, early season moose. You just never know because a lot of these areas um, where I'm going to be putting out cameras, apparently the moose population is up. So that's a good sign. So you just never know what will happen. Well, that's the beauty of bow hunting here in Alberta, right? Exactly. Exactly. You'll have uh, whitetail tags, bear tags, moose tags, Um, no elk around here. Not real close to At least where, to I, am, where no. I usually set up. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's my plan, man. Early on is try and get something with Velvet again. So, and what oh, about you? Always what's, chasing, what's the game plan, man? Well, when you're sitting in the tree stand chasing yeah. Velvet Whitetails, I'm, you know, I've already been typically up three days in the mountains by the, you know, opening day. And okay. so... Hopefully that's what we'll be doing again this year. That's the plan. So are you three days of hiking back there, or do you get back there after two days and we then try just and be, scout the first the day? Goal, the goal is always to try and be in sheep, in sheep country for like opening morning. So basically, if I woke up and there was a legal ram outside the tent opening morning, I could shoot it. Yeah, that's basically the goal. Um, you know that typically that doesn't happen. Knock on wood. If it does one day, great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we want to be there for opening day because you know if you're not last year last year we had some hiccups and stuff and we ended up having to come back out and then go back in again and we're just behind the crowd of people like uh you know there's a limited amount of uh access to some of these really good areas okay and so you share a lot of those trailheads even if you're not going to the same exact even mountain ranges you kind of use the same public trailheads as a lot of people and we found that if we weren't in there early, like we were the previous couple of years, um, we were kind of behind the rush of people. And so the rush of people, are they all hunters or are they? Uh, um, well, definitely there are a lot of hunters. Like there's, really, eh? there, there is, you know, so two years ago we went early, early. Like we were in the mountains the 22nd. Um, we were there parked camping along the highway, like the 21st. And there was, there was a few people like kind of doing the same thing we were, but yeah. wasn't really much for people. And then once we got in the mountains, we started seeing people like coming in behind us and they're hunters and going different directions and stuff. 
And then this last year when we when we came in late, there was just people everywhere. Like same area, right? But like vehicles parked every trailhead, multiple vehicles. Um, people walking in every day. You see people packing rifles and stuff. And some people just go, or most people though we go that we talk to, we found that are only going for like four or five days. And that's just what most people can sort of get away with, right? That have normal jobs or whatever. Um, luckily, we can get away and, you know, go for 10 days, if not more. And that's sort of the advantage. So that's, that's again, the plan this year is to go for 10 days or two weeks and try and get on a sheep. Yeah. So, um, what, like, are you going to go a little bit further back this year? Are you hunting the same area or what are you, uh, what are you um, thinking? I honestly, I like the same area. Um, I'm confident in the same area to go back. And so that is sort of uh, the main plan. I haven't decided yet. There is another area we might go check out this summer. And just if that goes well, um, we might change things up. If not, we do have, you know, Old Faithful. And, uh, yeah, I'm confident in that area. It is quite a hike. And, you know, I, I just firmly believe that you got to be in the right place at the right time when it comes to sheep hunting, especially when you're backpacking. Because, you know, we saw a couple hundred sheep the first year and just none of them had a curl. Yeah, and so that so was what can the... You do? We released that sheep hunting episode on YouTube. Yeah. And I think that's one of our top viewed videos. It's got something like 10,000 views or something. Oh, like okay. That. Yeah. It's got a lot. Yeah. Um, so is that sort of the same area you're going back to? Yeah. That'd be like the similar area. Yeah. Because you've seen over 100 sheep and like 11 or 12 mountain goats or something. And yeah. We've seen critters all day long, but no legal rams. No legal rams. So we saw. Opening morning, we saw like a band of 20 ewes right off the bat wow. uh, coming out of the fog. And then, you know, it was just band of you after, you know, band after band of after band of ewes. And there was just like 30 in each group. And, you know, we just watched them for a week, basically. These bands just rotate around these mountains around us. And, you know, we'd hop over the next range and the next range and just more ewes and no rams and, wow and you know big mule deer and and bears and and everything but no no legal rams so yeah so you've been tossing the idea around about bringing your apa bow with you for a mule deer yeah there's not much tossing around going anymore i'm pretty much uh committed to taking it you're with doing me. it yeah well it's just you aren't worried about the extra, like it's not, it's only, it's not a heavy bow, but it's just an extra thing you got to bring. It's and worry an extra about. thing. Um, you know, if it's just, if I'm going solo, I won't pack both. Um, I did, you know, I did end up going partial trip solo last year. If I do again this year, I probably just stick with the rifle or the bow, uh, depending on how I feel, you know, come that time of year. Um, but if somebody else is going with me, I'll have, I'll, I'll try and pack both, especially if they're not packing a weapon yeah um just because you know like we were talking about before uh the tag for a mule deer or you know even a big white tail or an elk um it's just and then the possibility of you know taking a, a ram with a bow yeah i'm not going to pass that up for you know packing an extra six pounds did you read Cal Sinclair Smith's sheep uh, series? I still haven't. You know what? Um, you, you, you gotta keep, check it out, man. No, no, no. But you keep uh, every single one that's come out. You're like, you gotta read it. You gotta <laughs> read it. Everyone's so, awesome. I know, but I've held off because how many parts are there now? There's ten. Yeah, tens. I think it was the so last. So is it done now? That yeah. So we just released the tenth, uh, basically chapter. 
of the So You Want to Hunt Sheep yeah, series. Yeah, yeah, So I've paid attention to it, okay. but I haven't read a single one. Yeah. And the reason being is because you're, you you get all hyped up every time you talk about it. <laughs> I do. And it, it's awesome, so I can see it. So I'm just going to wait until right before sheep season. And get yourself and jacked then I'm, right up. And then I'm going to you know use it to get myself jacked right up. So I think it's like the eighth or ninth one, man. He's full draw at a sheep, like 20 yards from him. And... Uh, things go south and it's something else man and then the last episode his wife kills uh you with her bow and uh yeah it's uh if you guys haven't checked it out go to nontypical.org um check out the series so you want to hunt sheep by kyle sinclair smith he did just a, a bang up job on some real good sheep hunting content um it gets me jacked up every time i read it so good yeah i'm, I'm saving it for a moment i need some motivation yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go so um so you might get a big muley out there too right you just well we know. did you know we did see a big you know 200 yeah plus you recorded some, okay you know and yeah and and it hung around well enough i i was confident i could at least got within bow range wow of it um but you know i, I i'm also packing my 300 short mag so yeah. that's i'm i'm not gonna pass up you know a sheep at rifle range yeah. either if that's what it takes for sure so there's no archery sheep season no, so there. No, the sh- the season opens. Same. For, yeah, it's for everything. Rifle right away. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I wonder if the reasoning for that is just to limit the amount of wounded sheep. Basically, that's a good way of looking at it. I would just, yeah. For me, I'm more of just like, well, the people just don't can't really kill sheep with a bow. So, but like a it's lot pretty do. Tough. Well, a lot of fucking hardcore guys do. Yeah, but uh, it's hard enough to kill a sheep, right? So if you really want to fill these tags that you're giving out. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got to do it with a rifle. But yeah, that's a, that's yeah, a very yeah. that's a very valid point. Yeah, because I was just thinking that I'm I'm pretty yeah I was sure there wasn't a an archery sheep season, and then I thought you know a lot of animals get wounded each year with the bow like that's just the reality of it i'm not gonna fucking sugarcoat it it, it no, happens and a, right? and a lot of animals get wounded with any weapon with a rifle too right um but usually your guys that are going on sheep hunts they fucking are gonna practice because they know they're working their ass off just to get to that you point hope, yeah um but yeah i wonder what the reasoning is why they don't have an early sheep season yeah, I don't know because you know here in Alberta our sheep season Every opens single animal August. Does. Yes, but that date is the same. Yeah, I know. Right. So Alberta also our sheep season opens August twenty fifth. I think the same Yukon, time. All BC, the archery seasons open. But Yukon BC all their sheep seasons open in July. Really. Like a whole month, actually, a whole two months almost earlier. Wow. Right, like Yukon, you'd be, sh- you know, you'd be sheep hunting this month. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, and I, I wonder if that's, I, re- I really don't know if that's a difference in the sheep species. Yeah. There's a reason for that because we're further south. Interesting. Um, but yeah, most like the sheep hunting, r- r- like good sheep hunting's, you know, I think the end of July, early part of August. So that's good sheep hunting. Have you hunted for, sheep for doll and in the rut? Like, no, never in November, like never late. In, and do they all ride around that same time? Uh, like doll sheep, honestly, couldn't stone tell you. sheep. Okay. Couldn't tell you. I know I know that the uh the bighorns do that, you know, it's right in that November season that yeah. that late, you know, the changeover season it starts to get into winter time. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, I really don't. I don't know. I don't know why the season would be a whole month later. Yeah, it's uh, weird, man. How you you cross an imaginary line? It's literally an imaginary line, and yeah. it's like black and white. The laws. Yeah. And that, like, our baiting. We did a post on non typical nation on Facebook. It was very va- very vague. Um, all it says were, "What are your thoughts on baiting?" Saskatchewan, you can bait deer in most parts of the province and hunt over the bait and kill a deer. In Alberta, you can't. Um, in Alberta, you can hunt bait bears. You cross the imaginary line west to BC, you can't bait bears. And so it's, it's like black and white with these biologists. The animals don't know the difference. The animals don't know what's going on. But the views and the laws are totally different province to province. Yep. And you, yeah, the difference is you, you know. Uh, like you would think, you would think that something is something like wildlife. It's, it's everywhere. There, everyone would have the same idea as to what's good, what's bad, what's beneficial, what's not beneficial, but it's black and white from province to province and state to. But you know what? I'm pretty thankful that our province or at least that we live in a province or I live in a province that that takes care of the wildlife the way they do. Okay. Because Alberta does do a pretty good job. Yeah. And if the, uh, you know, I don't want to pick anybody out or anything, but if there are certain provinces taking care of our wildlife situation yeah. and our hunting rights and laws, I think there'd be a lot of things that we wouldn't like. Or that maybe didn't make sense because it's it is a certain way over here. Yes. Compared to other places. Oh, it's definitely different. Like, and it is different province to province. You know, like look at just look at Saskatchewan. It's like mainly yeah. private land, right? Yeah. Well it's it's actually it's a lot similar to Alberta, man. Like once you hit central, like central Alberta, Edmonton, yeah. um Swan Hills lower you're almost all it's all pretty much private private, right except for your western border well around around all the around all the cities is there's giant sections of private land yeah yeah. um and saskatchewan's a lot similar and saskatchewan once you get north man it's it's just like here but there's there's, is there access in northern saskatchewan there is yeah it's it's about as much access as there is way up north here you know it's limited um but yeah you know um like so the, for for things like baiting, it doesn't really make sense. Like for the imaginary line between, like, say, Alberta and Saskatchewan, okay, they're similar. But then, you know, you cross the Rocky Mountains, you go the other way into BC, the terrain definitely changes. Yeah. The species of animals definitely change. Yeah. Right? You go from Canadian moose to Yukon, Alaska moose, at least when you start going that northern corner. Yes. Right? Your deer start to change. Yeah. Right. Where do the mule deer change into the what do they call them? Black there? tail. The black tails. Yeah. Right. That's where. What line is that? Yeah. No, it's, that's just right. Yeah. And so that sort of make it makes sense, right? Yeah. And uh, but it, it's just funny that certain things don't align, like bear hunting, bear baiting. bear hunting, or or just deer baiting. Deer baiting, yeah. Deer baiting, simple. Like baiting. And what I noticed, like I was looking at the comments on that post, and it seems like. The provinces, the guys who live in Saskatchewan who can bait deer, they're 100% for it. 
Um, the guys who live in Alberta who can't bait deer, a lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them are against it. And what's the stance against it, though? It's not fair chase. Okay, so it's not fair chase. But I would say, um, well, at least something to consider on that point. And then I see that from a lot of guys from BC, too. I've got, um, and they've commented on some of my posts there, hunters and whatnot in BC, and they're saying that baiting bears is uh, is basically cheating. It's not fair chase because okay. they can't bait bears there. So how much of that it, do you think is real morality, like moral thinking? Like, I don't, I don't truly believe that's ethical. And how much of that do you think is just the pride of, oh, well, I actually chased down my animal and yeah. you just bait them in? I can't do that, so you shouldn't be able to do that. And I think a lot of that is that... I don't know what the word is, but like moral high ground. Yes. Right? You're like, so oh, I'm I'm better because I chased my animal down. Okay, yeah, but maybe chasing your animal down is driving down the road yeah. 20 minutes from your farm and you shoot it out of the field. Yeah. And oh, good for you. you yeah, know? Or, or sitting on a cut line. Where this guy baited for three years, four years, five years, or maybe even one year. Yeah. But he put the work in the hours and hours and hours and hours, maybe hundreds of hours, and then sits in the tree stand. The guy like you sits in the tree stands for hundreds of hours over multiple seasons. Yeah. And then eventually maybe gets the buck he wants in a perfect situation. Exactly. Right. So to take the moral high ground and say something like, I don't know, you know, nobody's actually said that, but I think a lot of guys, that's, you got to see through that because, right. Because I think a lot of it is just that the moral guys just taking the moral and hunting is such an egotistical thing. Yeah. It's the ego. That's what I'm, that's the word I'm looking for. (laughs) It's just the ego thing of like, Oh, I'm better than you because I chased it down. Right. It's just like the guy saying, Oh, you should have waited, given that buck a couple more years. Like you don't know the story. Yeah. You don't know, you or, know, what was oh, put you, into you this. Didn't, you didn't get that with a bow? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you used a rifle? Like, okay, so you, dude, congratulations. Yeah. You don't know what you put into this. I don't know what you put into this. As long as you did it legally and ethically. Yeah, well, that's just, quite frankly, it doesn't matter what you put into it. It's what it means to you. And you just cannot care about what other people think as long as you're no. satisfied and happy with what you've done and proud about what you're doing. Um is the biggest thing, but uh, yeah, the whole ego thing in in this hunting. And I I try to be ridiculous. super fair, and uh, I just try and like lay the like if I have a problem with the way somebody did something, I try and have a reason behind it. If I'm oh, gonna say sure. something, you question yourself. Before yeah, like you're I'm gonna... not just gonna be like, oh, you're you know you're not yeah. as good because you did it this way. You know, I'm gonna be like, you know, maybe you shouldn't do it that way. Not really fair or. Yeah. You know, something along those lines. And I am so pro hunting that there's not much that I don't agree with. Oh, no, me neither. But if somebody does something, you know, like we all know, we've all seen, you know, half wasted animals laying on the side of the road. right? Oh, yeah. Like where people take half the animal and they're just too lazy. That's one thing that fucking pisses me. You know, around here, hate to say it at the shop, but we see a lot of animals that come in green. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, guys, like, okay, you yeah. killed a freaking smoker of an animal. Yeah. And you just couldn't <laughs> put it in a cooler? You couldn't yeah. get it out of the sunlight? Oh, camera died on us. Oh, we just had a camera issue. Should we hit pause for a second? Uh, yeah, let's have a quick peek at what's going on there. Here, I'll check it out. It's a 
lottery on a card? Uh huh. Since there's 17 minutes. <clears throat> well, that's odd. But yeah, like you're saying, you know, guys put a ton of time in for the animal or whether they do or they don't and then they kill that animal and um you know that work can't stop there okay well the camera doesn't want to roll but anyways um yeah you just can't let that animal spoil you that that work no, has yeah. to continue until you get that to the taxidermist that's because, right uh yeah you can't don't can't waste that stuff and, and that's just one of those things right we just you just like to see that that's that's my you know my line in the sand is otherwise you know if you you do it as however you want to do it put in whatever you want to put in because you know it's it's you're going to get rewarded accordingly yeah and, and you know what and as long as you're following the law and you're doing what the the law our alberta hunting laws are what they consider ethical are pretty standard yeah they are right and they're pretty fair right yeah and you know it's simple things like don't shoot an animal in the dark don't shoot an animal when it's swimming have less than four rounds in your clip you know all the stuff don't shoot an animal out of a vehicle beef is fair as it should be yeah to harvest your animal and as long as you're following those lines i'm you do whatever you want to do yeah for sure and i and i'm the same way and i like i'm the type of person that i want to try every type of hunting I want to hunt hogs from a freaking helicopter. I want to hunt mule deer on the back of a high, high stand on the back of a truck, just, you know, cruising along the desert and just trying to see what's there and shooting out of a, you know, the top of a truck like they do. I'd love to try all those different things. Um, you know, we kill the whitetail this year, just covering ground with the kids and spotting it and, uh, you know, getting our deer. So I'm open to everything and I, I'm never going to, you know, jump on somebody for doing something that I, I don't do regularly. Um, because there isn't many methods of hunting that I disagree with. Um, like even right now, I can't really even think of any, um, like I fully support baiting. And that's one thing that I've said time and time again, like Alberta, we can't hunt over bait. Um, but I think it would be beneficial to not only the wildlife as a whole, um, but, uh, to, the outfitting industry here in alberta oh and that the just baiting yeah like deer baiting alone yeah, that, that's uh, what uh, i'm talking ung about ungulate baiting alone would be a, a massive uh boost in the outfitting industry here well they you don't need to give the outfitters any more tags no no no, no what no, you can do like we don't need to remove any more deer but what we can do is what you can do is just tune up the harvest a little bit Tune up the harvest a little bit, but then also you're removing more mature animals and there's less guys shooting little... Yeah, that's exactly what I mean, right? right? Like the har the harvested deer are just going to be the... They're going to be better deer. They're going to be older deer. Yeah. They're going to be more desirable target deer. Yeah. Well, so you, for example, you baited... How long have you been baiting, baiting bears for? Five, six years. When did you shoot your first bear at the bear bait? Have you? I've never personally there shot a bear go. at the bear bait. So you've been baiting for five, six years. You've never shot a bear at the bear bait because you're picky. You want an absolute giant. You want a color phase. You got that this year, spot in stock. So deer baiting is going to be a lot similar. There's going to be guys like you who are going to, you know, set up a, a bait site for deer and you're going to bait that site for one, two, three, four, five years. And you're going to wait till you see a fully mature cranker of a deer. And whether you see that on the first year or the fourth year, once you do see that mature deer, you're going to sit your ass in that stand, 
till you get that deer. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, right? like, like I would like to think that exactly what happened with that bait we got your bear on this year. Yeah. I, you know, I've been wa- baiting and watching that bait, that particular bear, for four years. Yep. And then, you know, it was just like, okay, last year I tried to kill him, but there was a lot going on. We had fires. There was, you know, every spring there's something freaking crazy going on. Yeah. This year it was like, okay, it's time to go and get him again. Yeah. And, and know, so almost every single 19, 20, 21-inch bear we get in at the shop here is harvested over bait. Um, we do get some spot and stock bears in, but they usually aren't as big. Mm-hmm. And the reason's simple, man. When you set up a bait, you know what's in the area, and you are going to hold out for that mature animal. So what's that doing is that is then you're, you aren't killing the one, two, three, four-year-old animals. You're killing the mature animals. You're giving those younger ones time to breed, breed, breed. And, um, and that's just what you want to do, man, you're, to you're grow ta- that population. You're taking the mature animal out before it's, you know, just going to go to waste in the exactly. next year or two, right? And we see that around here a lot. We get deadheads in. Guys will go to find a deadhead, go to Fish and Wildlife, get a permit, and we'll incorporate that in the mount. And usually those deadheads, they're giant old deer. Oh, yeah. And so they don't die by hunters because they're too freaking smart. Um, they get killed by wolves or they just die of old age. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the way I look at the whole baiting thing, if you, like I said, I've got nothing against road hunting, but if you enable baiting and guys can set up a bait site, sit in the ground blind with their son and see 10 deer in a day or 10 deer, even in two or three days, whether it's six does and four smaller bucks, but even just being able to see more wildlife up close and personal. Um, that's a huge bonus right there. Well, and, and, and like back to the point of the argument being, you know, guys are taking too many deer. It's going to be too easy to kill deer. Like you said, there's going to be people like, like me with that particular bear bait mm-hmm. where you set it up, you make it perfect every single year. Yeah. And then some years, you know, you check your camera, you have zero intention of even sitting at it. Yeah. You're going to make sure you fill it up. Yeah. Because something you like is there. And yeah. You're just going to keep stocking it. Right? Exactly. And you know what, man? These freaking... And, and the people, winters here are insane. People do that already here with yeah. antler obsession, yeah. salt, hay, food plots. Guys are doing it. Yeah. And, um, you know cynical side of it you know guys are sitting over bait here already you know what's being done guys are baiting cameras guys are definitely sitting over bait it's not legal here no it's 100 illegal it's it's definitely happening but um if you're letting you know if you can do all this with cameras and stuff why not why not let the guy sit over the pile of whatever and 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 hold that target animal that he's watching and patterning you know, and it's still, you still got to hunt it. You still got to, the animal still has to make a mistake to harvest it. Yeah. But you're, at least you're, you're, you're then holding it, you know, in a good position. You can watch it. We've been over this a million times with the bear baiting. You get to watch that animal, wait for the perfect moment. Exactly. Take a good ethical shot. Yeah. You know, and, and get, know exactly what you're doing in the moment, right? Yeah, Exactly. Um, so yeah, you know, you can set yourself up for the perfect shot. You and, can and really down, what's relax. A, what's a disadvantage to, to baiting ungulates, um, that we can't just crack right now. So right? the, the one, the one, um, the one thing with baiting 
if you're baiting in a CWD zone, they say it'll spread CWD because you have wildlife um, conjugating in, in like plenty of okay. them in a lot of areas. But, you know, that's sort of been debunked too because you'll see these animals using natural mineral licks. I going to say fair enough, but they drink the same water they puddles. They drink the same water puddles. You know, the they're same breeding together. They're, they're, and you know. We have, and yeah. you know what? We have wild, we have 500 wildlife zones or a series of 500 wildlife zones here in Alberta. So they're all split up with imaginary lines. Draw, pick one pick line. Pick and choose which ones. Pick and choose which one yeah. and allow it to happen. And that's how it is in Saskatchewan. You can't bait in every single zone in Saskatchewan, no. but most of them you can. A lot of them you can. And you know what? And maybe places like Edmonton Bow Zone. Yeah. Huge zone. You know, record book deer in that zone, right in the capital city of Alberta. You know, bow only. Okay, there's a lot of hunters. There's, uh, you know, it's a, it is a big zone. There's cranker deer. Maybe that's a zone that you should consider baiting because it's archery only. But then the zone right adjacent to it that is rifle, maybe you shouldn't because there's, like, you know, there could be an equal amount of hunters and just having a rifle zone all in that proximity is not in private land. Mm-hmm. Might not be such a good idea. But then you come up north here and you can pick all these zones that are all public land, yep. all crown land, all bush. Yeah. Well, and that's and where that's, you can draw some real deer out, right? And you can pick and choose. And that and that's sort of the that that's the thing with baiting, right? Like in, in those agricultural areas where you have alfalfa fields and those deer coming out on on farmer joe's property every single night at six o'clock eating that alfalfa and they go back in at nine o'clock and they do that every single day um you know those guys are, are they don't care about baiting they yeah don't you don't need to worry about they baiting don't need to worry about it because they've no. got <laughs> they've got their deer That's already right. coming to their bait their field right they'll leave a hay barrel hay bale out so those elk come and eat it right um but yeah once you get to these northern areas um you got two options, man. You can sit your butt on a trail and hope that deer is going to come down that trail. Like I did for fucking 170 hours last year. Um, and I was too stubborn with that bow and it just didn't happen. Or you can just cover ground, yeah. you know, cover ground. But, which is what a lot of people just resort to. Which is what a lot of people resort to just because they want to see two deer in a day. They want to see three, four deer in a day. And uh, sitting your butt on a trail, man, you're taking a huge gamble um, because, you, you know, those, you're just stuck in one you're spot. You're just stuck in one spot. Um, and it's not like you're hunting in Saskatchewan over a bait where those animals are going to come to feed and it's their routine, right? So, um, you know, these northern areas where it's just bush, um, from what I understand, these are the zones that they're really trying to push to open up yeah. some sort of baiting. So I'm hoping so. You know, I've talked to a few guys who, who work, um, you know, on that side of things um, who somewhat make the decisions for the stuff. And, and by the sounds of things, a lot of people are for it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see. You know, a lot of people say it's not fair chase. Whether you're baiting bears, baiting deer, they don't care. It's not fair chase. But then I say, well, what's fair chase? Is killing an animal with a bow at 30 yards fair chase? Is killing an animal with a rifle at 300 yards you fair chase? You ar- can argue right down to you shouldn't be able to use a knife to kill a deer. Is calling an animal in fair chase? Yeah. What's fair chase? Is it- fair chase just baiting that animal in with food? Or is fair chase baiting that animal in with scent? Because that's legal in Alberta. You can use scent. You can bait with scent, but you can't bait with a mineral or food. food. Yeah. So. 
<laughs> and it's all just on one imaginary line. And that's it, right? So you you go to you go to Saskatchewan, northern Saskatchewan, which is a lot similar to us up here, and the laws are totally different. The biologists have a totally different mindset of what's going to work, what's not going to work. Um, so yeah, man, it's uh, we've put a lot of a lot of faith in the biologists, and uh, I like to think that you know, they know better than everyone. And, and uh, so would you there's say... There's a reason why they're making the rules. Would you say that uh, setting up a really good... a really good planned out baiting area for, like, say, whitetails, uh, you know, you got a nice blind or a tree stand set up, you got perfect shooting lanes that you've cleared out, you've been running cameras for months, you know what's coming in, you know, sort of on a daily pattern, what you might see before you even go sit there and you have a good stocked up bait pile. You think that's less ethical or you think somebody could argue or how, how do you think somebody could argue that's less ethical than you driving around in your pickup with, you know, a 300 or a whatever rifle. Yeah. And you could shoot down across. I mean, you're not legally allowed to do that here in Alberta, but you can shoot down across, um, you know, diagonal across any road in the bush and kill a deer from 400 yards away. Oh, now cut line, right? There's cut yeah, lines cut lines, everywhere. pipelines, whatever, right? And that's what but a lot it, of guys do. Basically, in any direction, you yeah. can fire 500 yards down a line and kill a deer. Yeah, well, that's just it. There's no argument, right? Like, there's not, there. one isn't more ethical than the other. They're, well, I would actually say providing some nutrients for that wildlife and sitting over that, that those oats. Or if you were to ask me, minerals, it's way more fair chase for you to be in the element, in the situation, yeah. sitting in the trees, in the air with that animal than for you to be just be, you know, I do it. I'm not against road hunting. Yeah. But like I said, up here, man, you don't have many other options. You don't. Right. But to just, to drive around in a, in a vehicle that can go hundred miles an hour, you know, What's to say that you you don't see a deer running down the road? You burn down, catch up to it. It's still running. Yeah. I've I've I know people that do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying it's ethical. I'm not saying it's fair. Yeah. But if you're even if you're road hunting properly, what's isn't that more advantageous than sitting, just sitting in a tree for sure under a pile of apples? Without a doubt, like, you know we get we get around seventy deer a year in here at the shop and. 80 per, every single guy that brings him in and we always talk about the story right because that's super exciting and at least 80 percent of the deer shot are guys in trucks yeah 20 percent of the other 20 i would say the other 15 percent are guys sitting over fields on like, private yeah. property so they're sitting on an alfalfa field or wherever waiting for those animals to come out and feed um and, and they just I, know there's big deer and around. they just know because they know because that's yeah. basically their bait right yeah. is is hunting over the farmer's field and then there's the other five percent who Who've struggle like their ass down off, deer, right? Yeah. And and it's and it's tough, man. It's so tough. Um, and I think if we can get more people out of the trucks, like I said, I have no issues with it. No issues with it's it. It's efficient. But I enjoy. I almost everyone I know that actually gets out of the truck and hunts and get, is successful enjoys that so much more than you know chicken necking in your truck and your neck sore by fucking 12 o'clock your neck and your ass yeah. yeah so 
Oh man. And, and everyone listening guys, let's, uh, you know, let's not put down other methods of hunting because, um, no, we're not trying to tear anything apart. here. No, not trying to tear anything apart, but we, you, I think we really want to look at the facts, especially this baiting thing. Um, like I just see benefits right across the board. So, um, you know, if, if there's anyone that agree, disagrees or, or even agrees with it, send us a message, let us know, you know, your side of, of this topic. And, um, and I'd love to engage in this conversation and just get some other knowledge from guys in different zones, right? Um, some guys down south, maybe, maybe guys way up north, guys in Saskatchewan. What's it like in your areas where you can bait? Um, you know, let us know because, um, you know, I think this is something that I've heard rumors of it, you know, at least being talked about in the outfitting community here in Alberta. And, uh, you know, Fish and Wildlife have caught wind of it as well, that there might be changes coming. And um, I'd like to know your thoughts. So, Yeah, and, and you know what? it's uh, They've done a really good job here in Alberta picking the zones for bear baiting. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't bait in every zone. There's <laughs> no, a lot I, of the zones you can't. And a lot of it is just an imaginary line or a highway or a river yeah. saying you can bait on this side, you can't bait on this side. And from what we can tell without ask, actually asking somebody that knows better than us um, is that it's access, um, it's the amount of private land, it's the amount of residential areas that are in the zones. And so typically the baiting zones are the secluded zones that are sort of away from things. You know, there's not like towns bordering them, there's not a bunch of farmland, but there's also like access. And we're yeah. fortunate to have oil field exploration up here it gives us a ton of access yeah and right like all of the baiting zones even there's some zones up north like that uh, 526 zone okay 526 you can only bait south of the river and so that zone is divided you know correct me if i'm wrong don't quote me on this but i'm pretty certain that that zone is divided you can bait in only a section of it oh wow interesting i didn't know that and it's because a lot of it is i would say it's because a lot of it is private and a lot of it, there's a lot of uh, farm country and, and, you know, agriculture in that area. Yeah. And, and so, so to keep the baiting away from the people, yes. you're only allowed to do it in certain areas. And they've yeah. done, I, in my opinion, they've done a good job of picking which, especially around town here, the zones we really know, yeah. picking which ones you're allowed to bait and which ones you shouldn't. Yeah, because right around town here in Slave Lake, at least, you can't, you can't bait within... You know, the nearest zone is about a half hour drive away north. Yeah, in any direction. In any direction. Yeah, you can go west a half hour as well. But um, could you could you imagine, like, you know, we're in Slave Lake. There's no hiding that. Could you imagine if you could bait in 350 south of town here? Oh, yeah. Could you imagine Yeah. the shit show? Yeah, bears right in town. But just could you imagine the shit show out yeah. there? Like, if you went out to just go walk a cut line or go walk... Because there is... There's so much stuff out there, pipelines, roads, leases, like yeah. you, it, it's almost impossible to get lost out there. You know, you, you're going to find a gravel road anyway, anywhere you, know, you go. And now that we're talking about this, like baiting bears almost seems like it's more harm than baiting deers would be. Oh, baiting bears definitely because you're making it, uh, you know, I hate to, I hate <laughs> like, to put the word harm behind it. I was it. just going to say, I hate to talk bad Harm's about not it the word, I love but, it and I support it so much, but. It, Harm's not the word, no, but it's not more of a, uh, you're, you're, you're changing, you're changing that little spot you're making, you know, you're, you're turning it into a bait site. Yeah, definitely. Where it, with deers and ungulate, um, 
And don't get me wrong, I have elk coming through my old bear baits. Yeah. And we have deer. We had winter deer deer wintering in your bear bait site this year, right? And baits we bait every year. Yeah. Um, So I don't think it really makes that big of an impact. But yeah, that's the word I was looking for is... They're more, no, a little like bit more said, impactful guys, on the habitat down trails and stuff out of town, or if there were baits, you know, right out of town and then walk right up on a bear bait. And, uh, it's just, there's so much access out there yes. and maybe it's because I'm so aware of it. Like I literally grew up out there Yeah. and you know, I could be blind and get us home if we were way back, back out there. Yeah. And so maybe that's what it is, but I just could not imagine being out there and there being a barrel around every yeah. single corner. You know, it's bad enough where we do bait. Yeah. And bad's not the word either. Like, I don't want to put it down. But it's busy enough Yeah, in the baiting zones, right? Yeah, it is. And, and you know, people are people are pretty good. Guys are pretty good about keeping their space and being, you know, at least, at least a kilometer away from each other. You know, mm-hmm. if you're hanging signs, you be respectful and you, you, you know, move away. There's plenty of bears to share. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but um, same with deer, right? You just yeah. don't have to, you don't have to blanket make it legal everywhere. Yeah. No, Pick and choose. no you can't, you can't make it legal everywhere. And that's why, like, we got it, you got to have an open mind on this. But there, there's, there's going to so, be, there's just so much potential for deer here. Oh, I know. Right. Yeah. That, uh, that imaginary line, like, we say it all the time Saskatchewan kills way bigger deer than Alberta. Yeah. Like by far, right? For sure. And all there is is a imaginary line that that separates those two numbers. Well, and so so outfitters out here, like you, probably know this better than me. How does a whitetail outfitter in northern Alberta typically run their hunts? Go and drive around. Or, drive around. Or okay, so there's there's kind of two types of, at least in my experience, doing most of my guiding or all of my guiding up in these northern bush like all crown land zones have you guided whitetail yes okay so what basically our our plan of action is to just cover ground or we have a trail and some cameras trails and some cameras and some spots and some stands and we just go and sit you there for the day yeah but you know other than rattling and you know if 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 you're even doing it in in the rut right yeah um, you're just covering ground. That's all mm-hmm. you can do. Or you're sitting in a stand. Like it just is what it is. But guys, you can't expect, um, you can't expect to kill 200 inch no. deer all the time. Right. You just, Even 180 no, inch yeah. And so guys, I would say, you know, you can tell people 160 better if you're in a good whitetail zone with lots buck. of, and that's a great buck. <laughs> and if you're, if you're deer. hunting hard and you yeah. know, some good whitetail areas, You'll find them. Yeah. There's deer here, right? Yeah. And it's still hunting. So, you know, first, it might take more than one year. Yeah. But uh, we have the potential for whitetails. I know a lot of outfitters down south, they'll run the stands and do all that, the, the trail cameras and patterning bucks down in those private land areas, right? Well, that's it, right? And then you can guarantee a little bit better quality higher scoring deer exactly so hunting over a field in my sort of mindset like just where we do a lot of our elk hunting um and spending some time out there the mule deer and whitetails that come out to those fields and having cameras on a lot of those fields is you'll notice they'll be there five evenings of a week in a week right so it's a lot similar to baiting because they're coming to an area they're basically a food expecting plot. them basically yeah. a food plot right so 
So yeah, you know, like like down there, and and even once you get in, like even central Alberta with more of that private property, you could set someone up in a stand on a field, and you can expect to see deer number one at least once, maybe in that seven ten days they're exactly. sitting there. Exactly. So interesting. And so that's the time. And and you know, one doesn't deserve any more credit than the other, and we're not, you know, no. We're not, we're not trying to take anything away from either way of doing anything, but no, you got to do whatever's going to stack the odds in your favor. That's exactly yeah. right, and we're just saying that to to really give some more odds to to the hunters and pulling some mature bucks out of this endless wilderness we have up well, here. Well, we're allowed three deer, three deer tags up here. Absolutely, and how many guys resort to shooting a two or three year old buck every year at the end yeah. of the year? Yeah, and they're right? giving us three deer tags because they want the numbers controlled. Um, but yeah, then guys can't get a mature deer down because they don't have 180 hours to sit in a tree. They still got to fill the freezer though, right? Still got to fill the freezer or still need, you know, still want to fill the freezer. Exactly. So yeah, it's a no brainer to me. So hopefully we see something change in the next couple of years, but yeah. And you know what, for the guys that, that, that have been doing it, that are really the hardcore guys that pattern these bucks and, and put, you know, put, whether you put the supplements down and the salt and I'll do all that stuff. Or yeah. if or if you're just running bush cameras and guys do it, we know guys that do it. Um, and you're killing these big deer after watching them for, you know, a couple of years. All, you know, congrats. I know a lot of guys that congrats because that that's, run a ton of cameras and have photo albums of giant deer after giant oh, deer. Absolutely. But then come hunting season. They've never killed a giant they all deer disappear. because they're so hard, right? They all disappear. They all go into the rut mode. Because once that velvet's gone, man, they are out of there, right? So yeah. <laughs> I find with up here in the north, um, it hasn't worked out like like I've planned. But my, you know, to stack the odds in my favor is try your best to pattern that wild those wildlife during their sort of summer that summertime, right? And then they're still in those regular patterns for that first week of archery season. And that's when you want to get them. They're going to be most predictable. I find then I had the chance three years ago, it was the very end of day one. It had rained all day. The rain opened up. Sure enough, three bucks came in and, uh, I just set my stand up. I'd never drawn back in that stand before. And I drew back and my right arm that's pulling the string back hits the back of the tree. So it hits the tree and I can't come to full draw. So stupid me. I hadn't done like just a practice draw beforehand. I was just pumped up, climbed up in that stand, sat. And sure enough, the deer came in. I rushed my shot and it went like super low. And uh, it was just heartbreaking, man. Absolutely heartbreaking. And that's so that's the closest I've came. Um, but uh but yeah, that's what I find. You got to get in there if if you want to really stack the odds up. Like I said, in your favor, um, they're most predictable. If you're doing your scouting in the off season, that first week of archery. So that's what I'm banking on. So yeah, that that opening week we'll that's see. a busy week. You know, that's um, a lot of guys don't really even start elk hunting that week or don't start calling elk that week. But you know, I had really good luck. The first couple of days of September. Yeah. And I know Stephen Smith had really good luck the yeah, first couple talks, of days of season. He talks like highly 25th. about that early season. And, and I really, you know, um, just as soon as the as soon as the clock turns on, it's yeah. go time. And you just can't 
I last year I came back from sheep hunting and I you know did another like sixteen days of elk hunting and just didn't take a day off and yeah you went hard last and year. you know that's all you can do and yeah. and yeah I didn't kill fuck all last year yeah but uh, you know I is probably the most productive year I've had just you know steps forward yeah yeah unreal man well I can't wait hopefully I can get out in the next ten days. Um, do you have any plans of getting any cameras out anytime soon or anything going on for deer or elk or moose on your end? Yeah, I would uh, I would really like to get that property, that little section of uh, property my family owns tuned up again. Yeah. I got I got lots of cameras. Well, I shouldn't say lots. I got half a dozen cameras out all over the property there. Nice. And uh, I set them up. Last time I was there was in the spring and I had some good deer pictures from the from the winter, so... Yeah, I just got to go make another round. How big is the property or how much land do you have to hunt? You know, about half a section that's bordered by Crown. So I've nice. got I've got a ton, ton of land. And nice. we've got elk and moose and and deer and, you know, whitetails and muley, bears, all of it. Awesome, man. Right on, right on. Yeah, I'd really like to catch up to some of the elk that are on that, on yeah, that property and get my, for sure. get my cameras dialed in again because I've sort of let them kick my ass the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, right on. Yeah, we'll have to get in there early first week or once you get back from your sheep hunting. Yeah. Right on, guys. Well, that'll wrap this one up. Um, I think we're going to try and get uh, Charlie on in one of the next podcasts. He's got some uh, pretty exciting stories to tell. And uh, hopefully next time we're on, we, uh, we've we got some sites established and uh, we're a little bit uh, more prepared for this upcoming hunting season. But thank you so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it.